Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Chicago's Afternoon News, 720 WGN. I'm Lisa Dent. Steve Bertrand is here. Kevin Powell, Mary Vandeveld. And on the phone, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin. Thank you for joining us on Chicago's Afternoon News, Senator. Uh, Can we talk about the immigrants that seem to be arriving now on almost a daily basis in Chicago? Obviously, something not everybody in this city thought about, but certainly on the top of their minds right now. And they look to you and other members in Washington of the Senate and Congress to do something. Is there any hope? Any any hope we're going to see some immigration reform? Not this year. Uh, and certainly because it is an election year and we're 46, 47 days away from an election, which uh, uh, for some people, a major issue is immigration. And it is not only unlikely, I think it's virtually impossible for us to fix a, an immigration system that hasn't been changed remarkably in 30 years. 30 years. And it clearly is not up to the current challenge that we face. You know, it's been 30 30 years, you know, since significant gun legislation, too. I know the March 4th group from Highland Park is in D.C. today, hoping to, um, you know, sway some influence, uh, have people look at that. What happened 30 years ago that's not happening now? We had a president, Ronald Reagan, who was agreed, uh, had agreed that on the Republican side they would participate in a bipartisan effort to change immigration. It worked. Uh, we have a president now, but we don't have a sufficient majority uh, in the Senate. It's 50-50 Senate, uh, and there are not many members willing to step forward on the other side of the aisle to even address the subject. Uh, listen, the bottom line, I think, is very obvious to all Americans. Number one, we need order at our southern border, and all our borders for that matter. Secondly, we should never knowingly allow a dangerous person to come in this country or stay here. Uh, Third is we cannot accept every person who wants to come into America at this moment. It just isn't reasonable to uh, believe that our economy could take that uh, jolt at, at this period of time. And fourth, when it gets right down to it, We have a nation of immigrants. My mother was an immigrant to this country. Uh, That is our heritage. Uh, And the orderly acceptance of diversity in our population has meant uh, a remarkable country, which is innovative and uh, productive and the envy of the world. That's why so many people want to come here. Senator, can you, Steve, can you explain the migrants who are finding their way, whether it's in Chicago or New York or Martha's Vineyard, different people refer to them differently. Uh, Governor Pritzker says they are here legally. Other wire services call them illegal immigrants. What's their, is it that they're here legally because they're seeking asylum, even though their claim might be dubious? Well, uh, let me try to explain it in terms of the family I met at the Salvation Army Rescue Center on the west side of Chicago uh, just two weeks ago. Uh, and this is one of the families, the early families that was bused into Chicago. They were from Venezuela, 32-year-old Carlos and his wife, 22 years old, a 5-year-old daughter, and a daughter who is now 8 or 9 months old. They began their journey to the United States from Venezuela on May 15th. 
it took them five months to get to the Texas border. Uh, people were supposed to take them, and they gave them money, and of course were defrauded and robbed, and they took the cell phones. They went through a living hell. They gave up everything that they owned to make this trip, and they ended up making a lot of it on foot. Imagine, if you will, if someone said to you, I want you to give up your home and everything you own, and I want you to go, uh, we hope maybe by truck, but be willing to walk to, to Los Angeles from Chicago and hope that when you get to Los Angeles, they'll let you inside the city limits. Uh, that is what they faced, and they took the trip anyway. Can you imagine their desperation, uh, their fear that led them to come to the United States? Yeah, no, I'm sympathetic. I, I'm sympathetic to all that. I truly am. I, and I, as a news anchor, I'm just trying to use the right term. I don't know what the right term oh, is. Oh, well, I'll help you. Let yeah. me help you. In order to be here in that Salvation Army Center in the United States, they had to pass a test. The test was an interview at the border uh, by one of our federal officials to determine whether that this person could make an assertion of credible fear for the safety of their family. Uh, they made that assertion. The border official accepted it, and they are now in the system for that whole decision to be made in an immigration court. That may be months or even longer before that decision is handed down by the court, uh, and they'll be required to be present for that purpose. In the meantime, listen to this. For six months, even though they are legally in the United States, they are legal immigrants in our country at this moment, for six months we prohibit them from working. They can't work. If they took a job to earn some money to feed his family, Carlos could be deported for it. What a crazy system that is. I mean, he can't even pr provide for his family legally for six months. So what does he do? He goes into the cash economy. He stands on the street corner and says, I'm willing to do anything for whatever you'll pay me. Or he falsifies his identity and, and gives a phony Social Security number and works in a restaurant or a hotel or a nursing home or a landscape business somewhere in this country, hoping that at some point he's adjudicated to be legal and eligible for asylum in America. And I, I know you've called for a change in that law, but I would imagine the opponents would say that would only further encourage people from coming in. Listen, if a man at age 32 says to his wife with two little babies, we're giving up everything. We have no choice. We can't live here. This is dangerous. They're going to kill us, and I can't feed you. We've got to try to get to America. These are desperate people. They're not trying to uh, in any way fix the system. They are basically acknowledging the fact that they're in a desperate condition headed to this country. Now, is there a better way to do it? There is. We should have legal visas for people to come to work who are on the books, paying their taxes, and are needed. Where would we possibly use them? Well, let me tell you, agriculture is a good place to start. Mm -hmm. If you enjoyed your meal this morning and you like the fruits and vegetables on your dinner this evening, then I want to tell you, half of the people who are picking those fruits and vegetables are undocumented, just like Carlos. That is the situation in America. We look the other way. Uh, a restaurateur, I won't name him, who is well-known in Chicago, said to me, Durbin, if you took undocumented workers out of the restaurants of Chicago, you'd shut most of them down. And the same thing with the hotels and the nursing homes. It, when, when it gets down to the bottom line, we enjoy undocumented workers because they're plentiful and work hard and they're generally cheap. Uh, but we want to look the other way when it comes to their legal status. 
Uh, Senator Dick Durbin is with us on Chicago's Afternoon News. Steve has one more question, and then I've got a follow-up. We know you're busy. What do you have, Steve? Senator, half my neighbors would have to learn how to mow their own yard. I don't think they're up to that. Um, <laughs> I, I want to change the subject a little bit. Senator uh, uh, Anthony Blinken was at the U.N. today, President Biden yesterday, of course, amid Putin's recorded speech talking about nuclear weapons. Are we closer to a nuclear weapon being used today than we were 10 days ago? Well, I, I can tell you, I, I pray that we are not. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, when Putin decided uh, to attack Ukraine, unprovoked, to attack and invade Ukraine and to kill thousands of people and destroy their homes and bomb schools and all the things that he has done, uh, he really tested the rest of us in the world. Were we going to put up with this kind of a tyrant, this kind of a bully? Thank God, no. The answer was no. The NATO organization, United Nations, and others came together and said, we're going to stop him. Uh, We don't want a nuclear war, but we've got to tell him you cannot do this in any country, whatever it may be. It couldn't be Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. It couldn't be Poland. We're not going to let that happen. And we uh, stood behind the uh, the, uh, Ukrainian people. The big surprise was how courageous and tough and resilient the Ukrainians are. And I think it's a surprise to Putin. They just recently had a new offensive, took over some territory that Putin assumed was his forever. It's an indication that they're ready to fight. What we're doing is sending them the equipment and the ammunition to to wage that battle, and they're waging it effectively. I think Putin is facing trouble at home. You've probably been reading about that or heard about it, Mm -hmm. uh, demonstrations. That was unheard of, unthinkable months ago, that somebody would stand up and publicly say, in this war, we're losing it, and there's no point in seeing another Russian killed because of it. They're doing that more and more. And I think there'll come a point where he understands that continuing this war could cost him his leadership in that country. Senator Durbin, yesterday, former President Trump said different people say different things, but as I understand it, if you are the President of the United States, you can declassify just by saying it's declassified. There is a process. Is that true or false false another trump fantasy that if he wishes something it would happen and that's good enough that he doesn't have to follow the procedures of the laws think about this for a minute they had to shorten the daily briefing for the president of the united states when trump was in office it used to take an hour with obama with bush with clinton an hour and they they tell the president in the morning first thing Let's talk about the national security of the United States and the most dangerous things happening in the world. Well, they had to suspend that because President Trump would not read the memo for it. He said, I'll read one page and that's it. Don't give me any more. And they had to shorten it and condense it. So tell me why in the world this man insisted on taking with him boxes of classified material that he wouldn't even read as president of the United States. Uh, In my mind, it was just one of those things where he said, I'm taking it. I'm president. I can do what I want. And when they asked for it back, he said, tell them not only no, but hell no, they're mine. And what did he do? He stored them in cardboard boxes in Mar-a-Lago, a golf resort, along with a variety of different documents, and paid no attention. When I'm handed a classified top-secret document in the United States Capitol, it's in a private room that is guarded, secure. I cannot take my phone into that room or even a Fitbit watch into that room. They say this is sensitive material. If it gets out of here, out of this room, if you tell anybody about it, you can endanger the life of someone who's risking their lives to keep America safe. This president wants to keep them in cardboard boxes at a golf resort. Thank you so much for giving us some time this afternoon, Senator. Have a good day. Glad to be with you.